When you talk about a name, you're talking about the nature of somebody and the character of somebody. So if Jesus got his name from the Father, then it describes the nature of Jesus. Jesus is the Father. Amen? His character, his nature. In John 5. Amen, Lord. John 5 and verse 43, Jesus says this. He said, I am come in my Father's name. So what is the name of Jesus? The name of Jesus is the name of the Father. Let me, let me read this again. I am come in my Father's name. The name is what? Jesus. So what is the name of Jesus? Whose name is that? It's the name of the Father who is in the Son. You understand? So Jesus is the Son, but the Son is not Jesus. Or you can't limit Jesus to the Son. Does this make sense to you? Okay. He said, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Okay, Matthew 1, 21. Hope you got your Bibles with you tonight. We're going to have a little Bible study here. Matthew 1, 21. Scripture says, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. So you're going to call the, name, the, the son's name Jesus. So the, Jesus is the son, Okay. The name of the Son is Jesus, but it is the name of the Father, which means that He has to be God, that He's not just a man, He's not just a Son. You can't limit Him just to sonship. You cannot limit Him just to the Son. He is the Father come in the Son. The fact that His name is Jesus, and that's the name of the Father, declares that He is the Son and He is the Father at the same time. Not separate persons. The Son, Jesus, and the Father are not separate persons. Jesus is the Father come in flesh. The Son is the humanity of Jesus. The Father is the deity of Jesus that was in the Son. You with me here? So Jesus is the eternal Spirit of God. Jesus is the Father that was in the Son. So Jesus is not limited to the time that he came and dwelt in a body on this earth. Because Jesus is the eternal spirit. Jesus, Hebrews 13 says, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. Alright, because we're dealing with the eternality of Jesus. He is the eternal spirit. God is eternal. Do you understand? Jesus, the eternal spirit, the same yesterday, today, and forever, came into the temporary. But He is eternal. Alright? Verse 23, Matthew 1. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which being interpreted is God with us or with us God. So he is the son, but he's also God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hebrews 13.8. I, I quoted this to you, but let me give it to you. Let's go look at it. Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus Christ is eternal. Now the sonship, the son had a beginning. The son is begotten by God. So the son had a beginning. But as the father, he had no beginning. Jesus as God had no beginning. Jesus as the father had no beginning. But as the son, the sonship had a beginning. Do you understand? Okay. Praise God. Amen. When you talk about the Holy Ghost, that's just another term for the eternal spirit of God. It, and it means, when you say Holy Ghost, it means God in action. God in action. With me? Another term for the Spirit of God. Now, 1 Peter 1. Let's go there and look at this. First Peter 1.10. It says this. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them. Who is in the prophets? The Spirit of Christ. Who's Christ? Jesus. Christ is the Messiah. So the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit that was in Jesus was in them, in the Old Testament. All right? It's interesting that it doesn't say the Spirit of God there. It says the Spirit of Christ. Well, the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God. And they don't want you to miss it that the Spirit that was in Jesus was God. Not was, his, not was God, but is God. You understand? Okay. Goes on and says this. I hope, do you understand what we're trying to show you here? Searching what or what manner of the time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. See, the Spirit of Christ that was in them testified of the sufferings of Christ. So we're talking about, watch this, we're talking about the Spirit of Christ that was in him and they testified about the sufferings of Christ. Now, God can't die. So that means that God had to take on the form of a man. And that man, that son, come on, that son who is God died, but God did not die. God was moving these prophets to prophesy about a time when God would come in the form of a man and he would suffer. Not God, but Jesus the man, the humanity of God. You understand? Going on down, it says, Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us, they, they did minister to the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you, 
with the Holy Ghost. Same spirit. The spirit that was in those prophets or on those prophets in the Old Testament is the same spirit. Here it's called the Holy Ghost. Why is it called the Holy Ghost now and called the Spirit of Christ then? I'll try to answer that for you tonight. It's the same spirit. It's just another term for God. Whether it be the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father. It's all one spirit. Because there's only one spirit. But terminology is used in specific places for a reason. In the Old Testament, it's, it's you know, the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. New Testament day, Holy Ghost. Why is that terminology used? We're going to try to explain that to you tonight. Jesus, the Holy Ghost. Okay, let me keep reading. Verse 12 again, unto whom it was revealed that, that not unto our, themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels desire to look into the salvation that you and I have experienced. They desire to look into the Holy Ghost that you receive. Okay, because angels are not <laughs> saved. Devil will never be saved. Fallen angels will never be saved. Angels don't know what it's like to sin against God and then be given mercy and forgiveness. See, angel in heaven, he rebelled against God. He's out of there. It's over. The, Michael, you know, the archangel, Lucifer... He sinned against God. He was out of there. He don't have a chance of being forgiven and be restored. Okay? So angels, they know God is lying. They know God is holy. They don't understand a God or understand God showing forth mercy to sinful people. So they desire to look into what you and I have. God, this holy, lion-like God, is showing mercy and grace to people who are sinful. Blows their mind. And they understand it's based on the work of the cross that this can, you know, take place. But they still desire to look into it. But my point is that the Spirit of Christ was moving those prophets in the Old Testament. And they prophesied of the sufferings of Christ. But it was the Spirit of Christ that was moving on them. Okay? And then it talks about the Holy Ghost on people now, on, on the ministry now. It says, again, verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed that not in themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost. Now the apostles, in this time, the apostles preaching by the Holy Ghost to them. But it's the same spirit. Verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, verse 16 says, of the same chapter of Peter, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So he's called the Holy Spirit because holiness speaks of his nature, his moral attribute of holiness. His spirit speaks of the essence of God. All right? Now, let's go. Let's look at another passage here. John 16. 
Verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Okay. Who's the comforter? We'll back up to John 14. Verse 26. We already found out that the name of the Father is Jesus. John 5, 43. He said, I came in my Father's name. You receive me not. Another will come in his own name. Him you will receive. We already found out that the name of the Son is Jesus. Matthew 1, 21. Now, John 14, 26. We're going to find out who the comforter is. We're also going to find out what the name of the comforter is. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. But Jesus said in 16.7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, who is the Comforter? The Holy Ghost will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. As long as Jesus is on the earth physically, he cannot... Be in them. So he has to die physically, ascend up into heaven, so that he can come in another form, spirit form, and live in them. Now listen, as long as he's physically here, he cannot dwell in them. Because the spirit of Christ that is in him is the Holy Ghost. His spirit is the Holy Ghost. So he can't dwell in them as long as he is here physically. So he, all right, you with me at this point? What is the name of the Holy Ghost? Jesus the Holy Ghost. What's the name of the Father? Jesus the Father. What's the name of the Son? Jesus the Son. Jesus the Father, Jesus the Son, Jesus the Holy Ghost. Not separate persons. But one God in different roles or modes or manifestations operations are you with me here okay amen now when you look at the term here look go back to john 14 please again and verse 26 but the comforter which is the holy ghost first peter 1 it talked about the holy ghost anointing men to preach the gospel today why in the new testament is the spirit of god called the holy ghost in the king james version there are other Bibles that translate it Holy Spirit. But in the King James Version, they translate it Holy Ghost. So we ask the question, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost yet? You ever thought about that? Why don't we say, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Same, same Spirit. Talking about the same Spirit. It's the Spirit of God, Spirit of the Father. You understand? Holy Ghost. Just terminology. But the reason why... The, new, uh, the uh, writers of the King James Version, when they translated into the English, the Greek into the English in 1611, the reason why they translated it Holy Ghost in their translation instead of Holy Spirit, like some, you know, these liturgical people, Holy Spirit, whatever. The reason why they translated it Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit and I'm not making fun of the Holy Ghost. I'm just the way they pronounce it, you know. But the point is this. Is they understood. Listen to me very carefully. 
Why do you call the Spirit of God a ghost? Because they under... Now, you go in your dictionary and you look up the word ghost. And I did this today. You go in there and look in your dictionary under, under ghost. And it will tell you that it is the spirit of somebody that has died. It is the spirit of somebody that has died. Now listen, you got to get this. The spirit of somebody that has died. Spirit of somebody that has departed. And in that dictionary, they literally put Holy Ghost right there in connection with ghost. So that when the King James translators translated the Bible into the English in 1611, they used the term Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit because they understood that the Holy Ghost was the spirit or is the spirit of the one who died for us. The one who died for us. Holy Ghost. They also understood that the spirit, they call him Holy Ghost because it is the spirit of the departed Jesus. What we're trying to show you is that the same spirit that was in Jesus the Son when he walked this earth is the Holy Ghost. It's the spirit of somebody who's been here before that has died. Come on. That has died and has come back in spirit form. So when I get the Holy Ghost, I don't get the spirit. I don't get the third person in the Trinity. I get the spirit of the departed Jesus. That's why he said, I, he said, unless I go away, the spirit of the, the comforter cannot come. The Holy Ghost can't come. It can't come and dwell in you because in physical, Jesus in the physical here, he can't move in them. So he is going, Jesus, the son, he's going to die. You understand? And at the time of his death, third day he's going to rise again from the dead. He's going to ascend up to sit on the right hand of God. And he will become a life-giving spirit. Jesus will be the life-giving spirit. So when I get the Holy Ghost, I get the Spirit of God. I get the Spirit of Jesus, the one who died for me, the one who walked this earth approximately 2,000 years ago. The one who departed, you know, ascended up. The same spirit that was in him is the spirit I get. I don't get the second person. I get the one and the same spirit. So, trying to help you understand why they use the terminology they use. Holy Ghost. Didn't call him Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. Spirit of God. You understand? Holy Ghost in New Testament days. Because it's the same spirit that was in Jesus when he walked this earth. It's the spirit of the departed Jesus. It's the spirit of the one who died for us. Who came back in a spirit form. Jesus the Holy Ghost. Amen. So when we ask you or we preach on the Holy Ghost. We ask you have you received the Holy Ghost yet? We're asking have you received the spirit of God? Have you received the spirit of Jesus? The one who died for you. The one that walked this earth 2,000 years ago. That same spirit that was in Jesus. Jesus the Holy Ghost. Say amen. amen. God's awesome, isn't he? You see, so we know there's not two spirits. We know there's only one spirit of God. And we not, you know, there's not, 
The Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of the Father. You know, you can have all kinds of spirit. But there's one Spirit. Spirit of Christ, Spirit of the Father, Holy Ghost. All one Spirit. Okay? Let's go over here and look at some scriptures. John chapter 3, a well-known scripture. Who is the Father of Jesus? Who is the Father of of the humanity, the Son. Let me put it that way. Jesus is the eternal Spirit of God. He is the Father. Do you understand? Of His Sonship. He made Himself a body <laughs> to walk in this earth. All right? Let's look at this. John 3, verse 16. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave. Who did? Yeah. Bible says God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay. Go to Luke 1, 35. When you talk about God, okay, you talk about the Holy Ghost, you're talking about the same being, not a different being. You are talking about the same being. God gave His Son. Luke 1, The angel answered and said unto her, unto who? To Mary. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now if you believe that God and the Holy Ghost are two separate persons... You've got a real problem on your hands. Because that means then, if you believe they're two separate persons, that Jesus had two daddies. There is no such thing as a trinity of persons. God and the Holy Ghost are the same being. Amen? That one verse right there... If I didn't tell you anything else about the oneness of God over these several weeks here, this one verse right here would probably make you want to think about the so-called three separate persons in the Godhead. Because then you would have to explain how two persons, the person of the Holy Ghost and the person of God, could be the Father of Jesus Christ, could be the Father of the Son. But we know that when you talk about Holy Ghost, it's just another term for the Spirit of God. It's God in activity. It's God that overshadowed Mary. You understand? Yes. Beautiful, isn't it? Same being. Not a different person. The same being. All right. 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go there. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 
Now concerning spiritual and gifts are in italics. Brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God. Calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. You believe that? So the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost are one being. They're the same. They are not different. Amen? Okay. I'm going to try to find here where we are baptized into that body. Let's see here. Okay, verse 13. Here we go. 12, 13. By one Spirit, or listen, literal translation is not by, B-Y. It should be for in one spirit. In one spirit are we all baptized. One spirit. Well, who is that? Spirit of God, Holy Ghost. Same, same spirit. There's only one spirit. That's what I'm trying to show you. It's only one spirit, and we are for by or for in one spirit are we all baptized. Into one body. One spirit. We're baptized into one spirit. And by that spirit. We're baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. And have been all made to drink into one spirit. Ephesians 4 verse 4. Ephesians 4 and 4. It says. There is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. God and the Father the same. Of all, who is above all, through all and in you all. One spirit. Okay, go to Joel. Chapter 2. We have a prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In Joel chapter 2, minor prophet, give you a little time to, to get there. Okay, Hosea, uh, I mean, Hosea then Joel chapter 2, verse 27. Everybody there? If you're there, wave your hand at me. Make sure you're there. Okay, good. Ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God. And none else and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit. Who is? The Lord God. The Lord your God. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to pour out of my spirit. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Say all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. So the spirit that is going to be poured out is God's spirit. The spirit that is poured out on all flesh is the spirit of God. Amen. 
Let's go to Matthew 10, 20. Matthew 10, 20. He says, Jesus speaking, he says, For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So when you get the Spirit of God, it's going to be poured out on all flesh. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of the Father. Amen? Spirit of the Father. Let's look at Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19 proves the deity of Jesus. Philippians 1.19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament says God's going to pour out His Spirit. Matthew 10, 20 says it's the Spirit of the Father. Here it says that it's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And there's only one Spirit. Amen? All right. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Proves the deity of Jesus. Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost... When the Spirit of God was poured out, the birthday of the church, as we know it, the body of Christ, <clears throat> Israel was an ecclesia in the Old Testament. We are called out. We're a church in the sense that we've been baptized into His body, the body of Christ. A little bit different. Okay, Acts 2. One through four. You have that? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now Pentecost was a Jewish feast. Fifty days after first fruits. They celebrated the Jewish feast of Pentecost. I'm not going to go into detail explain what that is. But anyway. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that's interesting. You read the book of Acts. Holy Ghost is constantly mentioned. It's the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of the Father. The Spirit of God. Remember? In Joel it says he's gonna, God's going to pour out His Spirit. Now the Scripture says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. One and the same Spirit. Not a second person. One and the same Spirit. Spirit of the Father. Spirit of God. Holy Ghost. Spirit of Jesus Christ. One and the same Spirit. Okay? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, on the day of Pentecost, what did they receive? The baptism or the gift of the Holy Ghost. That one Spirit of God. Amen? The book of Acts is the book of action. So that the, the Holy Ghost, again, is God in action. So you can feel sure that when you get to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the apostles, the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the church, you're going to see that term, term Holy Ghost used because that's God in action. 
And that's what we have. It's God in action. That's why the term Holy Ghost is used. God in action. It's just another term for God. Right? You understand? So when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I got filled with the Spirit of Jesus, I got filled with the Spirit of God, I got filled with the Spirit of the Father. They are one and the same Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus. The same Spirit that was in Jesus when He walked this earth. It's the Spirit of the one that died for me who has come back in another form. It is the Spirit of the departed Jesus. The Spirit of the departed Jesus was and is God and will always be God. Not a second person to anything. Say amen. Now you've got some things that are happening here. When the Spirit of God comes inside of believers. Spirit of God in me today, inside of me as a believer is the Holy Ghost, okay? You have certain things that are happening. When God comes in, when the Holy Ghost comes in, you with me? You have, watch this, the Bible tells us here, let me back up. As suddenly there came a sound from heaven. You have the manifestation here of deity. You understand? 1 Corinthians 12, we talked about we were baptized into one body. Or baptized in the Spirit. Into one body. You understand? And it talks about the gifts of the Spirit there in 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of the Spirit are simply this. The manifestation of Jesus. It is the manifestation of God. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. The manifestation of Jesus. Now I'm trying to point something out to you here. Because the book of Acts is the greatest book in the New Testament on understanding that Jesus is God. You need to understand that Pentecost is Jesus. <laughs> Pentecost was a feast in the Old Testament, but it's the, the fulfillment of that feast is the Spirit of God or Jesus in you. Pentecost is Jesus. You with me? Jesus is the God of Pentecost. When they got the Holy Ghost on Pentecost, they got the Spirit of God. The point is, if you're not careful, you'll get, you'll get lost in this. What you need to understand and what you cannot lose sight of is that what is happening here is God is coming inside of people here. And this is the God of Pentecost. What you cannot lose sight of is that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Holy Ghost coming in these people. You have manifestations of God. The Bible says. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. The sound is not God. But the sound is a manifestation of God. Right? Rushing as a rushing mighty wind. The wind is not God. The wind is a manifestation of the Spirit's coming. It filled all the house where they were sitting. So the Spirit of God is bringing rest. This is the rest wherein you will cause the weary to rest. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. 
Jesus is the light of the world. Light is a, this fire is a manifestation of deity. It's a manifestation of God. It's a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. You understand? And it said upon each of them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues. Tongues is a manifestation of God. You're not seeking tongues, you're seeking God. When you, when you receive the Holy Ghost, when you receive God, you're going to have a manifestation of God. Tongues are simply a manifestation of deity. Okay? Hallelujah. Bible says, they begin to speak with other tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Let me go down to verse 9. Not 9. Let me see. Acts 1 and 9. Acts 1 and 9. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. Who was? Jesus in his physical body. After Calvary. After his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus ascends up on his own power as God. Okay? He ascends up in his own power. He's taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. What is that cloud? That is the Shekinah glory cloud of God. In the Old Testament, there was a glory cloud. That glory cloud was the cloud that God spoke out of. That cloud, listen very carefully. That cloud in the Old Testament was a visible manifestation of deity. You getting the point? A visible manifestation of God, the cloud. God spoke out of the cloud. His name was in the clouds. So what's the point? When Jesus is received up in the cloud as a man, what you have there is the personification of deity. See, God, are you getting the point? The whole book of Acts is about God himself coming in this earth, coming inside of you. Jesus is Pentecost. Right? Jesus is the God of Pentecost. Jesus is Pentecost. There are manifestations that accompany the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is deity. The manifestations is divinity. So I've got, when I received the Holy Ghost, I got the Spirit of Jesus in me. I got, God came inside of me. Deity came inside of me. At the same time, I have His divine nature, which means I have the attributes of deity. The attributes of deity is power, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. That's divinity. But I didn't just receive divinity, His attributes. I received the Spirit of God. And by the Spirit of God, the gifts of the Spirit operate. By the Spirit of God, the manifestations come. And the manifestations is the divinity, all right, of deity. Does that make sense? So that Jesus is more than divine. Jesus is deity. He didn't just have the attributes of God. He is God. All right, I hope that doesn't confuse you. Acts 1 verse 1. Okay, verse 9, 50 minutes. Verse 9, Jesus is caught up in the glory cloud. 
They never saw a man that high. Nobody ever saw a man that high. Because he's caught up in the glory. He's not just caught up by God like Elijah or Enoch. But he was caught up in the glory cloud. The glory cloud was God. So when they saw Jesus go up in his own power, they saw a man higher than they'd ever seen a man. They understood that that's my king. That's God right there. That's God personified. Now he's gone up. But now he's, and then he's going to send the Holy Ghost. He's going to send his spirit back. And dwell inside of us. Do you understand? Okay. Give God praise if you do. Acts 1.1. The action of the Holy Ghost. The actions of the apostles. It says. But really it should be the actions of the Holy Ghost through the apostles. Because Holy Ghost, remember again, speaks of God in activity. Just another term for God. Now Acts 1.1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus... Began both to do and to teach. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. The former treatises of what Jesus began to do. What is what Jesus began to do? The book of Acts is what Jesus is doing now. In his body, the church. What did Jesus begin to do? Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all Old Testament. So what Jesus began to do is what God did as Jesus in the Old Testament. He is the creator. Alright? The creator. What he began to do as creator in the Old Testament. Then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus comes in the Son. What did he do then? He brought salvation. So as the Father, he created the worlds. Jesus created the worlds. As God. He comes to, to perform the work of salvation. God in the Son. So we got the Father in creation. The Son in redemption. Now watch this. Theophilus says. Of all that Jesus began. Both to do. And teach. Until the day. In which he was taken up. After that he through the Holy Ghost. Had given commandments unto the apostles. Whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen in them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, you've heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So in those verses right there, those, four, those five verses, you have God in creation as the Father. You have God in the Son bringing redemption in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Old Testament, what He began to do. And then you have the Holy Ghost indwelling us. What He's doing now. What Jesus is doing now. He is indwelling us. In those verses right there, he covers the whole Old Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and takes you right into the present time of what Jesus is doing in us now. Jesus, the Holy Ghost now. You understand? Let's go to John 16. <clears throat> the Acts of the Holy Ghost... 
Acts of Jesus in and through the church. Indwelling in indwelling us. You have to have, if you're going to have movement, you have to have energy. You have to have power. Nothing moves without energy. And what energizes the church is truth and his spirit. You don't have truth and you don't have his spirit. Your movement will at some point go away. Okay? It can't not be built on personality. It has to be built on truth and the spirit of God. The oneness of God. If you don't build it on truth and you don't have the spirit, it, at some point, it's going to just go away. Okay? John 16. <clears throat> Watch this. Now, we're going to deal with this parable. These proverbs. When Jesus came into the world, it almost sounds like that when he talks, it almost sounds like that he talks about other people. Like, what I mean by that is like when he talks about the Father, it almost sounds like that there's another person. You know, you read it. He talks about the comforter. Sounds like another person. And it's supposed to. Okay, I don't want to lose you with that. Okay, let me explain what I'm talking about. Okay, y'all with me here? <laughs> it's not supposed to sound like other persons, but he's going to make it sound that way. He's, he's taking all the focus and all the attention off of himself. And he's, he's honoring and glorifying an invisible spirit. Why is he doing that? He has to. Okay, you with me? John 16, let's go there. I'm going to read the whole chapter and I'm going to try to explain it to you. I got about 15 minutes to do that. 16.1, these things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Now look, you read that and you're going to think, okay, well there's the Father and then there's him. Why doesn't he just say here, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known me. Because he is the Father. But he says they're going to do these things because they don't know the Father nor me. He has to do this. He has to speak like this. It's in a riddle form. He's speaking in riddles. That's why the Trinitarian people don't get it. That's why they don't understand. Because Jesus, when he spoke, he spoke in Proverbs. And I'm not, listen, when I say the Trinitarian people, I'm not... Uh, and I'm not putting myself in the role of adversary, adversary evangelism. I don't think that we should take, take the role of being adversarial in our evangelism. I believe that we should reach out to those people that don't have all the truth and try to bring them into the truth. Do you understand? So I'm not against them. I'm not, I'm not attacking them. But I'm just telling you the reason why a lot of people don't understand what I'm telling you tonight is because they don't understand that when Jesus spoke, he spoke in Proverbs before Calvary. Okay? He spoke as if the Father was, was somebody different from him. 
I didn't say he, he did. I'm just saying it seemed to be that way. <clears throat> I'll point it to you again. He says, verse 3, These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Again, why don't he say, they're going to do that to you. They're going to persecute you because they don't know me. Watch. These things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. These things I said uh, not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. <laughs> he says, I go my way to him that sent me. Well, he's speaking as a man. They don't know the Father. They don't know the Spirit. That, you know, if I were to interpret this, it's very easy to interpret. They don't know the Father. The Spirit is in him. Nor do they know me, Jesus speaking. They don't know me as a man. Okay? As a man. But now I go my way to him as a man that sent me. He's speaking as a man. And none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? You understand? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Who's going away? Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus. It's me that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy Ghost, or the Comforter, John 14, where he found out, 26, the Comforter is the Holy Ghost. If he doesn't go away, his physical body, then the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. With me? He's speaking as a man. He can't move inside of them as a man. But he will come inside of them as the Spirit of God. Holy Ghost. Do you understand? He said, I'm going to leave you. As a man, I'm going to leave you. Wait, what he's talking about? When he has come, the Holy Ghost, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Now he's talking about the Holy Ghost. See? Talk about the Father. Talk about me. Talk about the Holy Ghost. You understand? Why? Why doesn't he just say, me, 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 me? Because he's fulfilling different roles. As the son, he's going to die. Has to go. As the father. Do you understand? In the son... Holy Ghost coming to dwell inside of us. Same spirit, one God, different roles. That's why he's talking like this. Talking in parables. Before Calvary. Said the Holy Ghost is going to prove the world of, of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And, I, and ye see me no more. When is that going to happen? When is he going to go to the Father and they're not going to see him anymore? Calvary, when he dies as a man of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So that's, anyway, I don't have time to get into all these operations of the Spirit of God, but it's right there for you. Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it he, when he, the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he sh shall hear, shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So in reading that, you think you've got Father, Son, Holy Ghost, separate beings. Verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while you shall not see me. When? Calvary. Right now he's speaking to them pre-Calvary or before Calvary. But there's coming a time they're not going to see him. And again a little while and you shall, you shall see me. After Calvary. You with me? They're going to see him. Because I go to the Father. Then said some of the disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? We don't understand what you're saying. You're speaking a riddle to us. It's a proverb. Explain this riddle to us. It's all before Calvary. You with me? What is this that he saith unto us? A little while you shall not see me. Well, that's Calvary. And again, you little while and you shall see me. That's after Calvary. We know that. Because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. He's speaking a riddle to us. You look at me like I'm speaking riddles to you tonight. How would you have liked to have been them? See, they don't understand where they are. They don't understand that they are standing on, on before Calvary and then after Calvary when he's talking. Before Calvary and after Calvary. Do you understand? It's all a riddle to them. <clears throat> now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while and you shall not see me? And again, a little while you shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. Yeah, let me read that again. Oh, I'm not careful. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just start get going, and I've been here for an hour. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. See, the world promises you excitement without true joy you understand not true joy excitement without joy you shall be sorrowful but your sorrow shall be turned into joy a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow because her hour is come but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Listen. In that day, after Calvary, you will ask me nothing as a man. You won't ask me nothing. Watch. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, the Spirit of God that's in Him. Now watch this. They're not going to ask Him, Jesus, in this physical form. 
Watch. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. In whose name? The name of Jesus. You ask in the name of Jesus, the Father will give it you. Scripture says, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. You have not asked in my name. They had not asked in his name up to that point. What is his name? Jesus. What is that name? It's the name of the Father. But that's who he is. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly the Father. So here's the point. While he's walking on the earth before Calvary, he is giving glory and honor to an invisible spirit. He says the miracles that are done, not I that do them, but the Father, he does them. He gives glory to an invisible spirit before Calvary. Do you understand? Father, he doeth the work. Not my words, but it's the Father's words. He is giving glory to the Father before Calvary. All right? It, it, listen. Say amen if you're with me at this point. Okay, John 17. Look over there in John 17. He says, there's going to come a time. It's no longer going to be Proverbs. It's no longer going to be a riddle. It's going to be plain to you. It's going to be plain to you that I'm the Father. He's no longer going to say, the Father doeth the work. It's not my words, but it's the Father's words. He's going to say, I say to you. See, but before Calvary, he's got to walk in this, this proverb type walk where he's given glory to an invisible spirit. Makes it sound like that the Father's separate from him. That's why they're having a hard time getting it. That's why Philip said, show us the Father and it'll satisfy us. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip? You still don't know? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father? It's because of his language, his speech. He's speaking in a proverb before Calvary. But after Calvary, he's going to be plain. He is the Father. I say unto you. Do you understand? He is the Father before Calvary, but they don't understand it because he's speaking a riddle. He speaks it to him in riddles, in parables. That's why I'm telling you today, a lot of people can't get this. And you'll never get this unless you really want to know it with all your heart. And, and Jesus spoke in parables and he spoke in riddles and he spoke in Proverbs so that you could not understand it without complete and total commitment to it. You have to be completely, totally committed to this to understand it because it is a revelation of God. It's not for people who are just curious. It's not for people who just have a curiosity. You'll never get this if you're just curious. You've got to be committed. You've got to be a disciple to this. So he speaks in parables. He speaks in Proverbs. He speaks in riddles before Calvary. 
You don't believe me, read Matthew 13 sometime. You'll find that out. This is not for just the curious. This is for people who are committed to God. They are His disciples. Disciple means a scholar. They are attentive. They are followers. Okay, watch. Who's He talking to here? He's talking to disciples. He said, there's coming a time when I'm not going to speak to you in Proverbs. I'm going to show you plainly the Father. You're going to understand after Calvary. You're going to understand after Calvary so that you're not going to pray. You're not going to ask me as a man anything. You're going to pray to me. You're going to pray to me. You're going to pray in the name of the Father. You're going to pray to me. You're going to know I'm the Father. It's going to be plain to you. Watch. John 17. I got to close here pretty quick. But here we go. Watch. John 17. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. Do you understand? His purpose then as the... As, he's speaking as a man here. He's speaking as a man. Son. All right? His purpose then as a son was to glorify the Father. And then he says to the Father, okay, glorify me, the Son. What is his glorification? The glorification of Jesus is his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. That's his glorification as a man. You understand? I won't prove it to you. Just hang here with me just a little bit. Okay? Wow. Okay, let me keep reading. So, okay, verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have, now here he goes. He says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. You understand? How is he going to glorify him on the earth? Through his death, burial, and resurrection. You with me still? And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So as God, you see what I'm saying? The glory he had and now, O Father, glorify thou me with, the, with thine own self, the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He's speaking as God, the glory that he had as God. And then he's speaking about the glory as in his humanity. Two things, the glory of God, the glory as God, and then the glory in his humanity. Death, burial, resurrection. Understand? Say amen if you do. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother, what time is it? 113, I'm stopping. Come back next week. I'll finish. I'm not just doing that to you just to do that to you. I'm doing that for a reason, okay?